The reading is taken from Ruth chapter 3. One day Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you, where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself, and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, and don't let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. "'Who are you?' he asked. "'I am your servant Ruth,' she said. "'Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer.' "'The Lord bless you, my daughter,' he replied. "'This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier.' You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good, let him redeem. But if, he's, if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until the morning." So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognised. And he said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, Bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. It's good to see you this afternoon, and uh, we're going to be continuing in this uh, journey through the book of Ruth, redeemed by love. We're reminding ourselves, uh, I guess, this afternoon, uh, of what a beautiful story this is. Um, but really, our focus, our point of entering into this story again, is to remind ourselves that one of the purposes that God has in revealing his word to us through the Bible is that in every aspect, every part of the Bible, every element of the Bible is in some way a stepping stone, a pointer, a director towards Jesus. And so as we work through this afternoon and as we go through really what is a really tricky part of the Bible, uh, this particular chapter, is, it's, it's full of pictures, it's full of, uh, in our 21st century culture, uh, confusing messages, we can deal with it, uh, and at the same time we trust that God will show us his son through it. Before we do that, let's uh, pray together, shall we? Father, we come before you and as we turn to your word now, we pray that that you might be amongst us, that you will bless us by the presence of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that when we read your word, we are not alone. Uh, we thank you that you have filled your word with a supernatural power, which is the additional voice of your Spirit speaking to us. 
In a true sense, the Spirit of Jesus continues with us day by day. We thank you that even though we don't live in the day of Jesus, even though we haven't had the privilege of sitting at his feet and being taught by him, in a real sense, that is precisely what you do for us. It is as though we sit at the feet of Jesus and he teaches us, not by the voice of a man, but because your Holy Spirit uh, uh, fills the power of your word in our hearts so that we can see truth, we can be changed, we can be reorientated to be focused towards you. We thank you that our lives uh, can be redeemed, they need to be redeemed, uh, and they can be redeemed through your Son. Uh, and so we pray now that each one of us here this afternoon might have our hearts warmed as we see Jesus through this passage in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I guess that um, it's difficult to, to really capture um, an overall theme. In some ways, we're looking at um, another step in the process for Ruth, but in the, at the same time, we're looking at a huge risk-filled decision that Naomi and Ruth take in this particular chapter. It is a risk-filled decision. And uh, as we, in human terms, that is, of course, and, and as we look at it this afternoon, I hope that what it can do is it can help us to see how we come to terms with our own steps, our own guidance, how God deals with us, but at the same time that we can see that God is taking this family through a process, through a pathway, which is preparing us for something much greater. We, we can't see that. We, don't, we cannot really come to terms again with this particular chapter until we see the, the background and the context in which it is placed. We need to remind ourselves again that Naomi and Ruth have been at the point of facing death. Uh, they are literally facing death in the land of Moab. Um, they've gone to uh, the land of Moab, Elimelech, their father, uh, father-in-law of Ruth, uh, husband of Naomi, has taken the family into Moab, and uh, they've stepped away from God's provision, that's one of the key things, and in a, in a hope to protect his family from famine, the end result of that is the family ends up in terrible uh, disaster. The father dies, the two sons die, and Ruth and Naomi and Orpah, her, her sister-in-law, uh, wives of the two sons, are left bereft. We've got to remind ourselves, we don't live in, in a day when we look at this story, we don't live in a day where there was a welfare state, we don't look where there was a natural structure for people to be, in general terms, provided for. In fact, when we look into God's word, what we see is the laws that are laid out for God's people are unique in that they do begin to address the issues of social care. They do begin to provide a structure for those who are oppressed. That's one of the things that we see, that God is building into his law. And we see that, we're going to see that uh, as it unfolds. But, but uh, Naomi and Ruth are facing death. They have no means of protection. They have no means of long-term support. And so uh, Naomi decides, as we know, to go back to her uh, home, homeland and she encourages the girls to go and find new husbands in Moab, get yourself protected, get yourself under the umbrella of uh, another man's protection, that's the way the world worked at that time uh, and Ruth uh, makes this bold statement, don't 
force me to go. I want your God to be my God. I want your people to be my people. I want to be with you. Uh, the only thing, Naomi, which is going to separate us is death. It was one of the bold, faith-filled statements that we see in the, New Test in the Old Testament. And incidentally, it comes from uh, somebody who was outside of God's people, a non-Jew, who's making that bold faith statement. That's the commitment she makes. And we now see Ruth following that through. But we see, we get little hints here, that we are beginning to see uh, another crisis coming up and Naomi and Ruth understand it. It's the end of the harvest season by this time. They're now threshing the barley and, uh, and time is running out, if you like. They've got, she's had this temporary job where she's been gleaning in the fields. They've been able to gather food, but we read at the very beginning, one day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said, that's one of the things that we see at the beginning of the chapter, as we scroll back to it. At the beginning of the chapter, we see one day, there's obviously some time has passed, and now uh, Naomi and Ruth, and particularly Naomi, realises we've got to act, we've got to do something. The job is finishing, it's the end of the harvest season, we look into the future, and at the moment there is still just the two of us. We have the winter ahead of us, how are we going to survive? Again, this is uh, one of those desperate steps. Uh, and so Naomi makes this incredible suggestion to her daughter-in-law. What you need to do, Ruth, is get yourself washed up, perfumed up, dressed up, and get down to the threshing floor uh, and go to Boaz. I mean, if that isn't um, a risk-filled suggestion to make, go and put yourself in that situation, hide from him, don't, don't allow him to see you, wait until he's eaten, wait until he's uh, settled down, then lie at his feet and wait and see what he suggests. <laughs> uh, that doesn't sound um, like the kind of advice that if I had a daughter, I would give my daughter. I would not give her that kind of advice. You know, just, just go out to the guy and uh, wait until he's had a bit to drink, wait till he's sleeping, and then go and lie at his feet. 21st century, our culture, listening to that kind of suggestion, what do we do with this? What is going on? I guess one of the first things that we see, she is taking a huge risk. She's suggesting to Ruth that she steps into a situation. She goes out and she does something. She steps into that situation, puts herself in the way of Boaz. They've been talking about Boaz. No doubt the conversation has been around Boaz over these past months as Ruth has been protected by him. She's been cared for by him. He's provided for her in a remarkable way, as we saw last week. Provided for her in additional ways, making sure that she wasn't abused, making sure that she was cared for. And now he suggests, she suggests, now you go and put yourself in the way of this 
kinsman redeemer. What's a kinsman redeemer? We've got to understand what that is. It's referred to again uh, in this particular chapter. Well, I mentioned earlier that one of the things that we see in God's word is he begins to address the issue of care. We're living in a society where you need a man to pretty much to survive. Um, that, that's the way it was. Uh, everything in a male-dominated society, in, in a very uh, agriculturally driven society where everything was manual work, uh, a man was needed to be able to, uh, to live. Uh, and one of the things that we see God uh, dealing with his people is he says that if a man dies, uh, then his brother is required to take on his sister-in-law, to marry his sister-in-law, to redeem her, to, to buy a land, to, to redeem her. Uh, and, and in a sense, what God is doing there is he's building into the structure a sense of protection and a sense of care. I will redeem you, I will care for you, I will bring you into this umbrella of care. And one of the ways that we ultimately found protection and care in that particular society was not just in having a husband, but in having sons. And so he would take her into his care and by God's grace they would have sons so that there would be men then to provide for them in their older age. That's the way the system worked. A woman who wasn't redeemed in that way uh, would have no hope. She wouldn't have children to care for her in the future. And so God, God puts into the framework of his law this way in which women would be cared for. Widows would be cared for. They would be brought back into the umbrella of the family, would be provided for in that way. Now what Naomi knows is that by distant relative, Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. He's in the family line. He's somebody who uh, could take on that responsibility. It will be a shameful thing for a brother not to take on his brother's widow. But Boaz isn't in that situation. Boaz, Boaz is more of a distant relative. He doesn't have that responsibility. He can do it. He can do it. By God's law, he can do it. But he's not required to do it. If he was, if he was Elimelech's brother, he would be required to do it. It would be a shameful thing if he didn't do it. But he's a more distant relative. He doesn't need to do it. And so Ruth puts herself in the way of the possibility of being cared for. She puts herself in that situation. I, say, I think that says a huge amount to us about how we go about dealing with God's guidance. You know, I, I don't, there's been so many times that um, somebody is kind of chatted to me, talked about various issues, and we're working through stuff in life. And um, what do I do about this? I don't know what to, whether to do this or whether to do that. And very often when we're faced with those two decisions, what we do is nothing. <laughs> and we end up kind of bouncing backwards and forwards, never make a decision. One of the things that we see here is that from the, the, the way that Naomi and Ruth actually deal with this, one of the things that we are called to do is just to do something. You know, there are, there are things that, that we are called to do, there are opportunities that are given to us, 
when our motives and our, our attitudes and our heart and our desires are right before God, God's guidance, I think, is to say, just step out and do it. I will take care of you. I will be with you. One of the things that I would encourage us to think about in terms of dealing with God's guidance, where's my heart in this? We are so deceptive to ourselves, aren't we? We can be so deceptive to ourselves. We can deceive ourselves into believing that we want this for all the right motives. But if we can honestly say before God, I, I, I've got a clear conscience about this, I, I could do it, but I would say just step out. Just, just put yourself in the way of it. Just go and do it. God's gone before you. The door will open, the door will open. If the door will close, the door will close. But if you're there in God's hand, if you're going with the attitude which says, my conscience is clear before God, do what they're doing here. Just, just step out. Believe that God is with you. Knowing that God is there, knowing that God has gone before you, in that risk, as it seems, realise that it's not a risk to God. It might be to you, it might seem a risk, it might seem as though there's something you've got to step out and do here. Just do it. So uh, we find that Ruth does exactly as she's told. She goes out, she finds herself in, in this situation. Uh, what do we see in terms of the action that goes on? When Boaz had finished eating and drinking, we see in verse 7, and he was in good spirits. I mean, the Bible's honest here, isn't it? He's, he's finished his day's work. They've, he's probably been working with the guys. They've done a hard day's work. They've had a good meal. They've had a, a drink. And he's in good spirits. Uh, and he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. It's the end of the day and he's going to have a sleep. Look at Ruth. This is, this is what we call stepping in the way of it. Ruth approaches quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. And then in the middle of the night, he realises there's somebody there. You can imagine the shock. Wakes up, there's somebody at my feet. Who is it? I'm your servant Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. She lies at his feet, the first thing that she does. She comes, uh, she doesn't sort of um, put herself in the way of Boaz and say, listen, Naomi tells me that you're a kinsman redeemer, well here I am. <laughs> she approaches him quietly. She approaches him, doesn't she? in a servant-like capacity. That's her approach. And as she lies at his feet, he wakes up. She says to him, put the corner of your garment or spread the corner of the cover over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. In those days, to, to lift the cover of your garment and place it over somebody, was a proposal of marriage. It was a picture. It was a picture to say, I would like to be 
under the cover with you. That's basically the picture. It's a picture to say, I would like to be intimate, sexually intimate with you. That's a picture that, that, uh, that is uh, defined in that garment being placed over. I would like to be under that cover. It's an amazing statement. It's actually, in that little phrase, in that picture, it tells us a huge amount about how God views the idea of sex. I think we live in a generation which perverts it in one way or another. Either we, we take a very kind of conservative Christian perspective about it and we hush it up, we don't talk about it, we hide away from it, we, we give it a, a kind of impression that it's something untalked about, horrible and dirty, uh, and uh, we keep it for marriage, which doesn't kind of make sense, does it? Uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's something designed by God. It's something designed by God to be contained within the commitment of a man and a woman. And in that design of spread your garment over me, Ruth is making just the most dramatic statement. She's saying, I want you to propose to me. She's not saying I want to get in bed with you which is what we might think as we read something like that. A woman going to uh, a man in the middle of the night, lying at his feet, asking her to pull the cover over him, etc., etc. She's saying to Boaz, Boaz, I want you to ask to marry me. Wow. I mean, social convention's out the window here. She's an alien. She's outside of God's people. She's a woman approaching a man in the night. She's a woman suggesting to him that he propose to her. But look at the response of Boaz. Look at the way he responds because I think this just opens up. The way the conversation goes from here opens up where their hearts are, where their attitudes are. He says this, the Lord bless you, my daughter. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. In other words, he's saying, effectively he's saying, I, I look at what you're doing here, Ruth. This is an incredible kindness. You could you, look at you, Ruth. He's, he's saying you're a beautiful woman. You could have any of the younger men. You could have any of them. But you choose me. You're asking me to ask you to marry me. This is, a, this is beyond my wildest dreams. He kind of says, isn't that a beautiful picture? Isn't it amazing the way that conversation opens up? The way he responds to Ruth by saying, basically... I didn't think I would stand a chance with you. You're out of my league. But it's an incredibly kind thing that you've asked me to ask you to marry me. I just never believed that this could be possible. What a picture we see there. Now, 
I think we see in that why in one sense it seems a risk, but in another sense it isn't. Why? Because we see a man here of character and dignity. I mean, let's face it. Here's a guy, wakes up in the middle of the night, finds a woman at the foot of his bed, and she says, spread your cover over me. What would most guys do? Not Boaz. He'd had a drink. He was relaxed. And yet he was still a man who was filled with character and dignity. He was still a man where for Ruth to put herself in that position, why did she go to Boaz? Why was that something that she believed that she could do? Well, I think two things. One, it's another faith statement. It's another commitment of Ruth saying, I want your God to be my God, Naomi. I know how it works. I understand how the kinsman redeemer works. I'm not going to come to Israel with you. I'm not going to come to the people of Israel with you. And once I'm there, I'm just going to chase after the first young guy who will have me and get myself safe. Because part of what I'm going to commit to, Naomi, is doing, doing it God's way. And God's way is the kinsman redeemer way. And I'm going to commit myself to that way. Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. And that's the way God does design. It doesn't matter if he's an older, ugly, fat guy. <laughs> I'll not chase after the younger man. Because I'll commit myself to God's way. Wow. What a faith statement Ruth makes there. I will commit myself to being redeemed, to being saved, to being protected in the way that God ordains for his people. You know, for Ruth to say to Naomi, and this is where it hits, this is where it really cuts for us day to day, where Ruth says to Naomi, I want your God to be my God. It wasn't empty words. It was, it was a statement which was going to be lived out. I'm going to live in that way. Day to day, the decisions that I make, the kind of character that I'm going to exhibit, the kind of decisions that we take together, I'm going to live out the way of God's people. We are called to do that. You know, we are called, Romans chapter 8, we are called to kill sin. We are called to live different lives. We've said, God, you are my God. We can't make that an empty phrase. We can't make that an empty claim. We have to step up to the plate and say, and that means I now need to live it out. I need to live differently. I need men. Guys, we need to live Boaz-type character lives. Character lives which are exhibited by being able to say, this woman, who has now put herself in this precarious situation with me, where nobody else is around, nobody else can see what I could get away with at this point, I'm going to live a life of character. I'm going to do it. I'm going to live in a way which exhibits God, my relationship with Jesus. I'm going to live that character life. And Ruth, what, what, this 
girls, living a Ruth life, living a Ruth life that says, I'll commit myself to the way that God has designed. What does that look like then? What does it look like for, to live that kind of life? How does Boaz then exhibit it? I think amazingly. He protects, he's protected her all the way through, hasn't he? He's protected her. That's one of the marks that Boaz has lived out. He's protected Ruth again and again. What does he do now? He protects her dignity. Ruth, don't tell anybody that you've been here. Don't tell anybody. It's just between you and me. I'm going to protect you. Nobody's going to have any opportunity to tarnish your name. You just, between you and me. Secondly, don't leave here without some food. <laughs> In fact, pass your shawl over here. I'm going to give you six measures of barley. Go and take it home to you and your mother-in-law. I'm going to provide for you. What a guy. I mean, that is, girls, that is irresistible love, isn't it? That kind of love. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect your dignity and protect your honour. I'm going to provide for you. It was a noble man. And Ruth was committing herself, not only to Boaz, but she was committing herself to God's way. Now, what does this say to us? Is it just a picture of how we're supposed to live? There's far more. There's way more. Because life doesn't always work out in the perfect love story that we get in the book of Ruth, does it? It doesn't always work out. It doesn't work out that we happen to have, as an old guy, a beautiful Ruth who steps onto the scene and lies at our feet. It doesn't happen that we, ha that we have uh, a wonderful Boaz who drops in and just kind of steps in to protect and provide. Life doesn't work out like that, but it does in Jesus. Because Jesus says, I will redeem you. I will purchase you. You come to me empty. One of the things that we see for Ruth is she comes again and again and again empty, helpless, bereft, facing death. And she gets provided for, because that's what a real redeemer will do, I'll provide for. And Jesus says, you come to me, you come to me empty. You come to me empty and I will provide for you. I will give to you amply, more than you need. What more does he say? He says, you come to me and you lie at my feet. Like a servant. And you won't stay there for long. I'll lift you up. You know, Ruth comes and lies at the feet of Boaz. And ends up side by side. As his wife. I won't keep you under my feet. As a downtrodden servant. I'll lift you up. I'll raise you to be alongside with me. I'll bring you into my family. I will redeem you. You will be mine. 
Because that's what a redeem, that's what a real redeemer does. I'll lift you up. I won't oppress you. I, I'll protect you. Nobody will be able to accuse you of anything anymore. Is that good news? When you hear the accusations of Satan, is it good news to know that as far as our Redeemer is concerned, no condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. That's what it means to be redeemed. Boaz had no legal requirement. He had no legal responsibility to do this, did he? In fact, it cost him. We'll see that next week. Jesus had no legal requirement to buy us. But he did. He had no requirement placed upon him other than love. Redeemed by love. Boaz is a hero. Boaz is, Boaz is the kind of guy that maybe one day I might be like by God's grace. But I tell you what, he's only just a shadow of what Jesus is as our Redeemer. as the one who has purchased us as we will stand before him just facing death. And he says, don't stay at my feet anymore. But you know, Ruth didn't chase after the younger guys, did she? She didn't just get into, into uh, the people of Israel and just get herself safe. She played by God's rules. She followed the requirement that God places on us. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is a Redeemer. Jesus, God's own Son. But he is the only Redeemer. He is the appointed means by God for us to gain access to that eternal throne. He is the only way. Salvation isn't something that we can make up Decide on how we're going to play it. God has designed salvation in Jesus. Redeemed by him. Redeemed by love. Let's sing together, shall we?